What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody, rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I said, I always felt like I needed something to hook somebody in. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I had to be like good in sports and then good in music to hook people in. And she's like, no, that's what you need to hook you in. Episode 412 with Brandy Clark. Brandy's the best as a songwriter, as an artist. I love her as a person. I just really enjoy spending time with her and I don't get to see her as much as I like. You know, we'll do this once a year. We'll see each other out occasionally. And it's always, oh, I wish we could stop and talk more, but we're at an awards show or we're here or there. So I really value this time with Brandy. You can follow her at the Brandy Clark on Instagram. She got a new album. I'm going to play you some of Buried. If you don't want me. If you Here's a little bit of a song called Northwest. And she smoked in the house. She smoked in the house. Wouldn't throw nothing out. She cut the mold. It's about her grandma. Just, she's so great as an artist. And, and we really start talking about Chucked the musical at first because I had just seen an Instagram post, maybe from Shane, because they were nominated and they even won an award for Shucked. I don't know anything about Broadway musicals. Me neither. I've seen a couple, but there are times where, because she's been involved in it for so long, because they wrote all the music to it. And where she would say things because she's been in it. I was like, hold on. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Sometimes people have to do that with me with this job. I'll be like, a spot. Hey, and they're like, what is a spot? Oh, it's sorry, sorry. It's a commercial. So I don't know. Just really cool. She's on tour all year with uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. She's doing stuff with Brandi Carlisle, who produced her album. She's all over the place. She's an 11-time Grammy nominee, CMA Song of the Year award winner, and 2023 Tony nominee. Brandi Clark is awesome. Some songs that she wrote that she did not sing. Miranda Lambert, Mama's Broken Heart. The band Perry, Better Dig 2. Casey Musgraves, Follow Your Arrow. And so many more. 
I'll stop yapping. Here she is, one of my favorites. She got a brand new album, self-titled, called Brandy Clark, produced by Brandy Carlisle. It's been out since the middle of May. Enjoy Brandy Clark. Good to see you. You too. I was thinking about just you, which I do every day. And I was, I guess it was Shane's story. I saw that your the Broadway play was nominated for uh, uh, Tony. Is that right? Yes. Tony? I'm not in that. I don't know that world. Yeah, we didn't either when it started. Um, we actually, ultimately, we got nominated for nine Tonys. Wow. Uh, I know. Which one of those nominations was mine and Shane, but most people that aren't in that world just think we were nominated for nine Tonys. Got it. So, um, the, the musical. The musical was, was nominated for yeah, nine. nine Tonys, um, which was pretty incredible. I mean, I think the most nominated musical was maybe 12 or 13 this year yeah so we were in there we were you know in amongst the most nominated we had one win which was great oh it's over now yeah so you won though yeah, well alex newell won great yeah yeah so yes our show won yeah but you yeah. wrote all the music for the show right we did yes yeah that's you yeah 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 that's awesome you know that's what i'm gonna start saying yeah you know we did write the music so i guess we did win that tony the, it, what is it called again a mu- shot no no a mu- Music, oh. musical, a musical. A so musical. you wrote the music for the musical. Yes, we wrote the music for the musical. That's so cool. How did you guys even have uh, somebody reach out or did you guys cr- – I don't even know what to ask about Chuck because I don't know what it is. So I can tell you the journey. It's a great, great story. So it, ha- it started – it was t- over 10 years from – when we started to when it opened. Wow. Yes. So, and this is what's crazy. I went, I had made 12 stories, but it didn't have a home. I was doing a showcase for Rounder Records. And so I had to, we, we had a meeting for Shucked to interview. And so I was like, oh, we got to, you know, I hope the meeting's on time because I got to get to this showcase. That's how long ago it was. And basically, Gaylord or Opry owned the rights to Hee Haw. Yes. They still do. And I've been through a couple iterations of that, but I know mm-hmm. that from working with them personally. Yes. So they wanted to musicalize Hee Haw. And Steve Buchanan um, at the time was running the Opry in, in Nashville. And he hired a book writer named Robert Horn. And for those of you that don't know musical theater, book writer writes all the spoken Dialogue. So they're called a book writer. I yes. don't know musical theater, I didn't so know I'm that learning. Okay. When they said a book writer, I thought Stephen King. Yes, <laughs> same. Judy Bloom is yes. where my mind went, yes. but okay. Yeah. And so um, he hired Robert Horn, and Robert had been working on it for about a year and had an outline. And Robert felt very strongly that that the music should be written by Nashville songwriters and not Broadway composers. So he wanted to come to Nashville and choose the team to write it. And so he interviewed several teams that day and he chose Shane and myself. And this is 10 years ago. Yeah. And so Shane's, I always measure it by Shane's kids cause they're 10. They were born in Palm Springs. I flew out to Palm Springs to meet them when they were a couple days old. Robert Horn lives in LA. He drove down to Palm Springs showed us that first we we already had seen the outline but he started kind of talking us through how to write a musical and so those kids were born in december the first writing appointment of that next year which would have been 2023 or 2013 um 
we started writing and we wrote, we wrote for Hee Haw for a while. Hee Haw didn't test well with Broadway audiences. And so then it was changed to Moonshine. The name yeah. didn't not, I mean, obviously the name and the brand, if you don't know yeah. the brand, the name's not going to work for you. Yes. It, that, that's why it did seem too like hillbilly. I guess so. And that was something Shane and I really fought for. We loved the idea of taking Hee Haw to, to Broadway. And we loved just the way the title looked and sounded. We actually loved everything that was going against it. But we got outvoted. So then it became Moonshine, that Hee Haw musical. We opened it in Dallas with the hopes of it going to Broadway. It didn't. We got very mixed reviews. Kind of, It kind of got scrapped. And then Robert Horn, once again, our book writer, won a Tony for Tootsie. He wrote the book for Tootsie. And when that happened, he had all this interest of, what do you want your next show to be? And he said he wanted it to be this. And so we got new, at that point, Steve Buchanan was no longer at Opry. Um, we got a new producer, new director. Um, you know, the Opry, we had to get the underlying rights from the Opry, which we did. Um, and we just started over. It was other than Shane and Robert and myself, and it became shocked. Did you rewrite every song? Most of them. There are two songs that were in that Dallas production that are still in the show. When you say mixed reviews for the Dallas production, what did the best review say that you can remember? <sighs> Paraphrasing. You know, I don't remember because I kind of try to stay away from them. You know, probably that it was funny. And that the music was catchy. You know, the worst reviews said that our, I, I'll remember those, you know, that our, <laughs> that, our, yeah. that our leading lady was a dim bulb. I remember that really bothered me. And so when we started over, to me, it became really important for her to not come across as dumb. Um, because that Did you was, think that was a written, it wasn't her, the actress. Never the actress. It was her character that was a dim bulb. Yes. And they were talking about the character more yes. than the... Got it. And that it was... You know, that that original version, it played a lot on some old stereotypes that you know, I'm glad that version didn't go to Broadway because I'm from a small town. Our, our, our setting is Cobb County. To me, that's where I'm from. And so I love that people from where I'm from, Lewis County, um, come and see it and love it. I would hate for them to come and see it and think, oh, they're making fun of rural people because that was never the intent. But that first version, I think, had some of that going on in it. That's interesting that you think that because I also am from a town of less than a thousand people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there were 700 when I was there and there's like 580 now. So it's going the wrong way. Yeah. But whenever I do my comedy, I can make fun of my small town or small towns or rednecks or hillbilly. Cause I am one. Yeah. If I was at a Broadway show and I felt like somebody that wasn't me was making fun of me, I would feel a little weird about that too. Yeah. So, so the fact that, that you had that kind of sensibility when there were things, because Robert Horn, our book writer, who who really he he was leading the charge as far as the comedy and the tone. Um, there were things that that both Shane and I said to him were offensive as coming from a smaller town. My town was nine hundred, or just country. And he's he's from New York City, and he was so great about really listening to that, being empathetic, and and making some changes. That's really cool. At yeah. what point did you, what point did you think this, this is over? Cause I've had a couple of projects where I'm like, it's over. And then it, in the end it worked out, worked itself out or it was a TV show or something. But did you ever think it was done? Yes. Several times. And there were times I wanted it to be over, honestly, <laughs> you know, um, because I kept, I couldn't let go of it. 
nor could Shane and Robert, but I started to feel at times like, is this just this rabbit hole that is just taking and not giving after Dallas? I thought it might be over. Um, and then, um, a couple of times after we restarted, you know, I remember we did a reading, um, and Robert Horn said, I feel like if something doesn't happen, happen from this reading, it's done. And something would happen. From the reading? Yes. Like, meaning like an out of town theater wanting to take it. Cause we went to, we went to Connecticut. I'm thinking of reading as a table read. So so what's a reading? So it can be as small as a table read, or in this case, it would be where the actors, say we had 13 or 15 actors, they're sitting down. And then when it's their turn to speak, they stand up with a, with a music stand that has their script and their music on it. So they don't memorize anything. Um, and, but there's no choreography. Who's watching this? Um, potential producers, theater owners, so it's like a showcase. Um, it's totally like a, yes, completely like a, an, a record label showcase. Um, and I would say the, the last time that I thought, oh, it might be done was right before we, we did our final out of town last fall in Salt Lake City at the Pioneer Theater. And our producer had secured a Broadway theater for us and then it fell through. And we had never, we weren't going to, to Salt Lake with the intent of getting picked up. Cause that's not really where you go to get picked up. You go to Chicago or Seattle or, you know, um, Boston to, to get the, to get the attention of a Broadway theater owner. So we were going to Salt Lake cause it was under the radar. We could work out some kinks. And so when that theater fell through right before Salt Lake, I, I had hesitation to even go to Salt Lake cause, cause I thought, Oh man, I know we're not going to get a Broadway theater coming out of Salt Lake. What are we doing? And then a couple of days later, we had another theater. So that was, that was the last time I thought this might fall apart. Was there ever a moment where it was the total opposite after Salt Lake where you go, oh, not only is this not falling apart, this is just clicking the right exact way. I mean, I'm probably getting emotional talking about it. The first preview, because... I realized I had prepared myself for it to fail because, you know, most do. And, and also in all those years, you're hearing way more criticism than you're hearing praise. You know, you, you watch the, the show, be it in Salt Lake or be it a reading in New York city and you, everybody that's on the creative team from the director to the choreographer, to the music director, to all of us, to the produce, the lead producer, you get in a room and you talk about what's not right. Just notes, notes, notes. Yes. And so we had been talking about that in this last iteration for five years. So the first preview, when those people reacted the way they did, which was a mid, mid first act standing ovation, um, a, you know, standing ovation at the end. What's a mid first act standing ovation? That's not interrupting the show. Is yes, it? it is. Yes, like at the end of a, a singing. Yes, okay. uh, you have to pardon my yes. ignorance. Well, no, no, no. I love shows. this. Okay. Alex Newell, who won the Tony, sang a song called "Independently Owned," and it blows the roof off. And that got a standing ovation. It gets a standing ovation most nights, and so I, I kind of expected that. And especially with the first preview, because there would be friends and family, but I knew it felt, it felt different. Um, and then when the, when, when overnight the, the, the man that worked the box office at the Nederlander theater told me that in 35 years, he'd never seen word of mouth that quick. We had no sales. And then overnight we were selling out. 
And so that's when I really knew. I mean, I, I think I cried for about 24 hours because I just, I just couldn't believe it. And I also didn't realize how much I had prepared myself for it to not work. Do you think part of that, because I, I made a little mental note when you said that a minute ago, I do the same thing with everything. I, tr- I go to therapy. I try to get better at not having an expectation of failure, but we are in an industry where it's failure most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time it's failure. Yes. Because if you're creating, you're not spending all year creating a song and going, this is my one song. No, you're writing a bunch of songs. Some of those songs you're writing aren't even making it to the next level, mm-hmm. which is do we rec- it's just so much failure. And I already am su- I'm super insecure. So do you think that that is a, a bit based on being a songwriter in this town yeah. or how you grew up? I think it's all of it. With that, I think it was really just 10 years of a lot of it getting kicked in the teeth. But and, isn't that a songwriter too? I mean, yes, I just- except with that, you're at least getting little glimmers. You know, Shane and I would get the show to a, a point where we would love it. My goal was by the time we got to Broadway, I didn't want one cringe-worthy song. Because in every version, there was always one song that made us cringe, like, oh, let's just get through this one. We know it's not right. We don't know what it is yet. But, you know, we would when we would get the show where we loved it, we would have to make a big change. Like there would be a plot change that would maybe change nine songs. Wow. You so know, because there's a full element. Like a fundamental element of the show that's changed. You can't sing about the same thing because right? things aren't the same. Exactly. Wow. And so basically what it was like, I, I think we wrote enough songs in those 10 years for 10 albums. So it was like you've been writing a record for 10 years. Nine of them have been scrapped. And keep in mind, nine of those records, there are songs on those records that you actually think are better than some of what's on this record that's about to come out. And so I think it was just... That and I also think we were such underdogs. You know, people people called us the corn musical, which was great. It worked for us. That nobody took us us seriously, and so I think there was that element too. And I had always, honestly, I I would always tell people, and I and I did believe this and still believe it. I I said we're either going to be a massive hit or a massive flop. It won't be in between. I'm betting on the hit or I wouldn't still be in it. But I think that there was more of me that thought it might flop than I realized. And it it probably is all those things. Walk me through, because I was just looking at a picture and it just happened to pop up before you walked in. So that's where my mind was Mm -hmm. before we talk about your music. But walk me through the quick plot of Shucked. Okay. So Cobb County is is a county that is, or a town that's surrounded by corn. No one's ever left. No one's ever come to to it. The only way you can live in Cobb County is if you're born there. The corn starts to die and that's their only way of life. So they don't know any other way. Nobody wants to leave. Nobody wants to let anybody in. But there's one girl, Maisie, who's brave enough to leave and knows that the only way they're going to survive is to leave and get help. So her, her, Grandpa doesn't want her to go. Her cousin doesn't want her to go. Her fiance doesn't want her to go. She goes anyway. She goes to the big city of Tampa where she sees a sign for a corn doctor and thinks, ooh, my problems are solved. She walks into the corn doctor's office, who's actually a podiatrist, but he's also a con man. And she tells him there's something wrong with my corn. And she pulls out an ear of moldy corn. He laughs and says, oh, I think you're mistaken. And she's like, no, you got to help me. If you don't help me, my whole town will perish. And a bracelet falls off of her 
um, wrist and he sees it and notices this unique stone that's, that is under her grandpa's house. And he knows that those stones are worth something. And so he pretends to be a vegetable corn doctor and she takes him back to Cobb County. And the, you know, he comes back and everybody's kind of wary of him, but then they embrace him. And maybe he's not such a bad guy after all, once he feels the love of this community. And, you know, it, it makes her, her fiance and her break up, but in the end, I don't no want spoiler, to no spoiler. No spoilers. Okay. Cause I, and now I want to see it. Yes. Yeah. Now. Okay. That's really cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Pro- that is a process. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like a relationship. Like there's good times and bad times. You oh. think it was going to make it at some point. And then yeah. at the end. And you know, Shane and Shane McAnally and I have worked on so many things, but this musical really, it's bonded us for life because there were, there were some bad times, you know, and there were a lot of good times, but in 10 years you live a lot of life. And, you know, he and I went through a lot together on it as, as well as Robert Horn, who is like, they're both like my brothers. Um, and you know, we just, well, we're, we're going to do another one. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't quite know what it is yet. We're, we're, we're interviewing some potential ideas, but you know, the three of us are a great team and, and some of that is that we can make it through some, some tough times. What's the most lasting standing ovation that you've ever gotten? Me? Like, well. Performing, singing. I don't know. That's a question that I ask often, but. Whenever I hear you sing, like I, I feel like my guts are moving a little bit. Oh, I think. thank you. Because of how you are as a songwriter and also your voice. Well, I would say I, I have an, two answers because I would say in some ways shucked is that because what I love about that experience is I forget that I wrote the songs. Really? And so when people start to stand up and I start to stand up too, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm standing up for me here. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Um, but man, lasting standing ovation. I mean, anytime there's a standing ovation, I love it. A, a lot of times when I do something, just me and my guitar, um, I'm, it's fresh in my mind right now, but I'm out right now with Mary Chapin Carpenter, who's a big musical hero of mine. And the other night I was playing in, and I have a song called buried on my most recent record and I play it in the middle of the show. And, and I got a partial standing ovation for that in the middle of the set. That's like the, the, the first act. Yeah. You got one of those. Yeah. That really, that really hit me anytime there's a standing ovation. I love it. And you know, I kind of love it more when I'm out in support of someone than when it's me, that's the headline. You won them over when they didn't really expect you to win them over. You come out and, and they don't, you know, they, they, that's their time to go to the bathroom or get a drink or whatever. And when you can hold them long enough that by the time you're coming off stage, they've become a fan enough to stand up. It's pretty huge. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. If your support, because mm-hmm. the audience, they may like you, but most of them didn't go to see whomever the right. support is. Yeah. Not you or anybody, you know, exactly. it's almost never do I go. I wonder who the support act is for Ben Rector. Yes. So, yeah, that that would be really um, – I'd have some real confidence. If it's my show and they don't stand up, I feel like I've failed. You know, like, it's a drastic difference in the yes, two shows. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have confidence in yourself generally? Yeah. 
I have good core confidence, you know, I mean, I have insecurities just like everybody, but I, I'm lucky. And I guess it was my parents in that I, I genuinely like myself for the most part, but I think the, the nature of what we do makes it hard to be confident sometimes, but I have to just walk out and pretend I'm confident. I'm sure you do the same All the thing. Time. Yeah. I'm never confident. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only confident once I'm shown that I should have been confident 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Like I, I've, I was already faking it, but now I'm getting some feedback that it's good. So still confident, but I really wasn't 15 minutes ago. But you know, the other thing is I don't know anybody who's really great who doesn't struggle with that a little I, bit. I, I have a crazy imposter syndrome or it's, I talked to my wife and if I'm like, hey, I need to go do this show, or I need to do this TV show or whatever. She's like, why well, you don't even really want to do it? I'm like, but if I lose momentum, I'll never get it back. <laughs> like I have this absolute fear of if I ever slow down that I don't really have the skills or the talent to catch back up to where I am now. And if that's imposter syndrome or if it's just reality, I don't know. But I struggle with that, with taking breaks because of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm very confident in a certain skill set, but I wonder, like I know what I'm driven from, fear. Mm -hmm. Like I'm driven from a small town fear. I'm creative because of similar situations. Mm -hmm. It was kind of my way out. Where did yours come from? Well, definitely like creativity. Just in, just creativity and drive and well, my, the artist part, the artist part of you. My drive definitely came from my dad. My dad was the maybe the most driven person I've ever known. Um, whatever it was. My grandma used to say it was a good thing my dad didn't drink or smoke because he would have been a terrible alcoholic or a chain smoker. Like whatever it was, it was all the way. I remember when I was getting out of high school, I wanted to get into this. It was called the STP, Seattle to Portland bike ride. It was 195 miles. And I was going to school the next year on a basketball scholarship and needed a way to stay in shape. So I saw that as the way. And so I started training for it. One of my, my high school basketball coach was going to do it with me. And then he had to have a hip replacement. So two weeks before I'm stuck without a writing partner. And my dad said he would do it with me. Two weeks before? Two weeks before. No training? No training. And my dad <laughs> was one of these people my dad was in good shape, but you know, it's different. And so we did the ride. We did it in two days. Um, I remember when we got done, my dad said, I'm never getting on a bike again. That was on Sunday. By Wednesday, my dad had bought a racing bike. <laughs> the next year he did it in a pace line in eight hours. That was my dad. So I definitely got drive from him. Hang tight. The Bobby cast will be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. 
T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back on the Bobbycast. I've never had a drink and I can't, I don't smoke. I can't because I'll do it all. Like mm-hmm. you, your grandma would say about your dad. I would be the greatest drinker of all time. Yeah. I would dominate it. <laughs> yes. It'd be amazing. Uh-huh. But I've never had a single drink because I know I get obsessed or even addicted to everything. And I have those qualities throughout my family. A lot of my families have died from addiction. So, but I kind of replace addiction with a, an addiction to drive. And sometimes they, it's easily to get confused even mm-hmm. to myself on what they are. Like, is it a drive or am I addicted to work? You know, as I try to find like some sort of worth, your dad set a great example for you on drive. Do you have addictive quality? Is it an, an addictive quality type thing? Well, you know, I believe we're all kind of addicts. We just get addicted to the healthy things or not. Um, I mean, I mean, I can definitely be addicted like to food. I mean, I wish it was a, was a sexier addiction, but I have no moderation. Yeah. Yeah. None. Yeah. It's like, I'm either eating seriously clean or I'm post-mating two pints of Jenny's ice cream. And the next day I'm like, where did those go? You know, (laughs) like it's, there's, there's no moderation. I'm that way too. Um, I think I like, I'm pretty driven. It's, it's a competitive thing. I wish it wasn't as competitive. I wish I have friends who are artists and they just are, they just love music. And, you know, I mean, I love music and I love, I love creating, but I also want to win. I wish, sometimes I wish I didn't have that as much. I'm horribly competitive. Yeah. (laughs) Again, but all mine's from insecurities. It sounds like yours was a great example. Yes. And then kind of. Was some of it to kind of be like or with your dad, do you think? Yeah, uh, Yes. And I really, I lost my dad young. Um, I was 20, not as young as some people, but I was 25. And the, those really young years of my life, I was really into sports. And I think that was because of my dad. And I'm, I really feel lucky that I, that that was my passion then because we were close because of that. We would have been close anyway, but, but. I've, I've been lucky enough to be, my parents were great parents. And then as I've gotten older, my mom's also a great friend. You know, she's always my mom, but I feel lucky that I had that athletic drive young because I wasn't going to have my dad a long time. My mom was musical. And so as I got older, music sort of became the thing and that brought her and I even closer. Um, 
Was so, music at all a part of your life though, like 13? Yes. It was. It was. I started playing guitar when I was nine and I always just assumed everybody's mom played piano and because my mom did those things. Like if, if we liked a song, my mom could, could hammer it out on the piano. Um, I was in the music man. That was my first music thing. I was Amaryllis in the music man. And so after that, I started like taking voice lessons and got more into guitar, but it would go in and out because of sports. But once I got out of high school, music took the place of what sports was that then became my sport. The thing you um, worked at. Yes. At goals. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's hard to un kind of ravel yourself from the competitive mindset of sports, 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 sports. Well, now nothing. Right. So it's again, when I was talking about it for me, I have to like replace addictions mm-hmm. and not that it was an addiction, but if you were always pushing toward this sports goal and now you have no goal, I can see where you could be lost a little bit or no direction. Yeah. When I first quit playing basketball, cause I, I went to college on a basketball scholarship and, and I really was burnt out by then. Is that your identity too, the basketball oh. player? Totally. I thought that was why people liked me. I still, you know, I talked about this to a therapist one time. I said, I always felt like I needed something to hook somebody in. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, my longest friend in life is a girl named Rachel. I said, Rachel didn't have to do anything. Like everybody just loved Rachel. I said, I had to be like good in sports and then good in music to hook people in. And she's like, no, you, that's what you need to hook you in. To liking you. And I think that's probably, Mm, probably true. But yeah, my identity was very wrapped up in when I quit playing basketball, I had probably six months of who am I? And then I started getting really back into music. And then that became my identity. I wish I didn't have so much wrapped in it, but I just do. And if, if for some reason this went away, it'd be something else. else. Yeah. Same. (laughs) I struggle with that a lot. Separating like who I real life am Mm -hmm. and who I am and they sometimes I get confused I'm lucky I have a wife now that will go hey yo this this is you know there are priorities and I get this is a priority of yours and it's important but let's evaluate the real human and then the the career person that's tough and so it is it is tough for me to even kind of understand that I have to separate those because I was on my own until 39 I mean I didn't Mm-hmm. I never had a serious girlfriend. I had girlfriends, but none of them yeah. really matter. Then I met her, and then it was like a reality pill, and it hurt. It hurt to swallow sometimes <laughs> when you start yeah. to get that that like oh. So that's been difficult for me. Do you have anybody for you that's like okay? Here's the deal. This you're kind of off a little. You're kind of off track a little bit personally. Can Shane do that? Well, I mean, I probably do that for him. Absolutely. So I would assume. is it- <laughs> Yeah. No, we're good for each other that yeah. way. You know, he and I are like, you know, soulmates in a lot of ways. Well, you can get mad at them, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be their friend anymore. I, oh. mean, I think that's a, that's a new, that's a point in a relationship that's, you're just bonded. He, yeah. We're family, you know, and, and totally like he and I really do lean on each other, um, I can tell him really, really things I'm super insecure about and him for me. And yeah, we can kind of ground each other. And he's really been great lately at, at balance, you know, like he's really, he's, he's amazing for me to watch. He's a great dad. Um, his kids are a real priority, you know, um, he's spending a lot of time out in Santa Barbara now because that's where he's happiest. That's where his sobriety's easiest. And that, that's inspiring to me. Um, I don't struggle with that, with the same things. I definitely do struggle with 
having my identity all wrapped up in this though. That's a, that's a big one. You, your album, what's, uh, well, I also say rare, you've self-titled this project mm-hmm. and usually that happens the very first. first. It's yeah. like, hello, I'm this person. Uh-huh. I have self-titled it. I've been a fan for years and now it's self-titled. I was a little confused. I'm like, am I looking at the wrong record here? <laughs> so why? We're talking about identity. Yeah. Why? Well, why do that here? So funny story and then, and then a real story. But so when Brandy Carlisle approached me about, I had really liked to make a record on you. She said, I see it as your return to the Northwest. And that was intriguing to me. And um, I was talking to Jesse Joe Dillon, who's a great friend and, and collaborator, and and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do on this record. And I said, you know, Brandy Carlisle has been talking to me about potentially working with her. And and Jesse said, what 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 do you like about that? And I said, well, one of the things she said that really intrigues me most is that she sees it as my return to the Northwest. And uh, Jesse says, wow, B, we should go up to the Northwest and write some songs. And so we did. And one of those was a song called Northwest. It's on this record. And so I then had this massive idea of, oh, we're going to call this record Northwest. And I had all the artwork in my head. But every time I would say that to somebody, they would say, well, you know, that's Kim and Kanye's kid, right? Northwest. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yes. And I hadn't thought of that. And so... Then I I got off of that and I was like, what am I going to call this? And it just, you know, the process of making this was so, there was a lot of challenge in it. Um, And I, and I felt by the end of it, there wasn't anything else I wanted to call it, but Brandy Clark. And since I hadn't self-titled something, it worked. Why Brandy Carlisle, as in what about her as a producer? I love her music. She's always been super cool to me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful freaking singer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I tell, I tell her she's the Mount Rushmore. She is. But as a producer, I don't know that part of her. I didn't either. It was a leap of faith, you know? And I, what, I, what really drew me to her was her confidence. You know, she, she was so confident that she should make this record. And um, Did you already want to make a record? And did you talk to her? Like, she, you said she came. I was like, hey, I want to make a record on you. Does she just message well, you or? no it started what started was when we were in the pandemic and i had made your life is a record with jay joyce who's a, who i loved working with genius producer um the label wanted to waterfall it they wanted to put out a few more songs and jay's schedule didn't line up to do it and so i just thought well we're not going to be able to waterfall it and then um tracy gershon said to me, have you ever thought about doing a couple of songs with Brandy Carlisle? And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's try it. You know, it felt very um, like an easy thing. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was a whole album. And so we we did, we cut two songs and tacked them on to Your Life as a Record. One of them was nominated for a Grammy. And the way it started with her producing a whole record was she said that when we didn't win that Grammy, that she looked over and she said, I looked so sad. Now, I don't remember feeling particularly sad, but I'm glad I did because it <laughs> it um, it spurred her to say, she goes, hey, buddy, I want to make a whole record on you. That was how it started. I didn't know how serious she was. Um, but when her and I sat down and, you know, she talked to me about how passionate she was about it and how she felt like there was a part of me that, that she could get on record that no one else could. And I think it is because she's such a great singer 
I always think a producer leads with their instrument. If they were a guitar player first, that's, that's their entry point for her. She's a singer. So that's, that's her entry point. And so she can ask things of a, of an artist vocally that other producers can't. Does she give example? If she's like, it's, I, I haven't been in the studio with you, but does she go like, Ooh, does she do like examples of what she wants you to try to chase? Well, yeah. I mean, she'd, she would sing it to you like, Hey, I know you can do this. So she would push you yes. by showing you what she wanted to push you to. Yes. Was there ever a moment where you're like, Brandy, I can't do that. But then you did because she just kind of. No, because I didn't want to say I couldn't, you know? And also the other way she would push is she, I love something perfect and she'd push for flawed things, you know, like, no, no, no. Leave that vocal alone. That's that sure you might be able to sing it better, but you can't sing it truer. Like we're don't, don't do it again. You know, she's great that way. And also great at asking, okay, is this really what you want to say? Is this really what you mean here in a way that I think probably only another artist that can do that's her, that's her gift as a producer is that she's an artist. Sounds like you have to trust well, a producer, but her a lot in the situation in ways that she's challenging you. Totally. Like, and you, yeah. yeah. She's like, do you want to say it like this? If I ain't the right person asking me that, I'm like, what do you mean? You you don't tell me how I, I want to say it. Oh, well, my ego definitely got bruised in the beginning. And and I realized the first day we were in the studio together was, was kind of a tough day because, you know, she, it was the day after the CMAs and, and I had been part of that Lindyville performance and we were recording in, in LA, well, actually Malibu at uh, Shangri-La, which was a really amazing experience. Um, Rick Rubin's studio and she came in hot, you know, and I don't know if I was just tired from, from having just flown in there from here, but, um, I definitely the first day thought, wow, is this going to work? And some of that I think was that at that point I wasn't looking at Brandy as a producer. I was looking at her as another artist. And the next morning we met and really like talked it out. And I just said, you know, Brandy, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to do it your way on some of these things. And after that happened, it was like the heavens opened and I, and I think it was mostly me, you know, just giving her that rope that I was maybe hanging on to a little too tight. Are you a control freak? No, not really. Um, I mean, I'm sure about certain things, but... Just not generally across the board? Yeah, no. I'm not a control freak about most things. Um, I'm Are you a perfectionist? Yes, but I think perfect is different for everybody. You know, I mean, I have my idea of what the perfect song is. Um, and a lot of that's based on being here and being in writing rooms for 20 plus years and the idea of, of the craft of songwriting. Um, I think that's part of why her and I were a great marriage on this because she hasn't done that. She likes things a little messier. And so I think between the, the two, we ended in a, in a spot that I was really happy with. What is her producing style? I can just see a producer on the other side of the glass pushing the button, doing the talk through. Okay, do this. Or was she in the the vocal booth? What is she like? Oh, she's in it. Yeah. You know, she's always playing something, be it guitar, piano, even if it's not ultimately in the track, which most, most times it is. No, she's right in the middle of it. I think 
to make sure it feels right. Because Brandy is somebody, and, and this was another thing that drew me to her when we did those first two songs. She's all gut instinct. And so I think to be that, you have to be in it and, and be feeling it. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So, stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is the Bobby Cast. Why I like you as a songwriter is your stuff always feels personal. Even if I can't identify what feels so personal about it to you, I can always feel something personal about it with me. Oh, I love that. Like I feel like that's why I'm such a big fan of your music is that it is very personal. But sometimes I can't, I can't if I can't finger and put my finger on exactly what you're talking about personal to you, I can always associate it with something to me. Mm-hmm. With, all, with, with, with so much of your music. That being said, these songs feel even more personal, like honestly, than, than stuff that I've heard before. One, purpose, is that, was that purposeful? Like, did you push yourself to do that? And then two, is there ever a point where you're like, man, is this too personal where no one's going to relate to it? Yeah, both things. And I got to say that first, the, the first thing I, I really do attribute to Brandy, because when she said, are you sure you want to say this? She asked me to change lyrics. That didn't. There was a line in in buried. It said, uh, "I'll I'll read Lonesome Dove. I'll start doing yoga. It, it takes some trippy drug. Makes me forget I I even know you." And she's like, "I don't like that yoga line. That bugged me bad." I said, "Why don't you like that yoga line?" And she goes, "Cause I just don't even think you do yoga." I said, "Well, I don't." She said, well, why are you putting it in this song <laughs> that everything else is you know? So we changed it. 
So a lot of that, some of the, there were little things like that that made things, you know, this much more personal. And I never realized when I'm writing songs, because I'm always writing songs, I never, I just, I just never know, you know, sometimes they're for me, sometimes they're for someone else. And there were song, Lenny Warnaker at Warner is the first person who pointed out just how personal they were. And he said, man, these songs, like I thought your life is a record was really personal, but these are even more personal. And I said, Oh really? I, I didn't, I can't imagine that they'd be more personal than that. And he said, well, yeah, like dear insecurity, like that's, you're talking about you. He said, you've written songs that are personal about relationships or situations, but you on this record, you have songs that are about you and, and your deep feelings. And so, and that got a little scary. And then a song like she smoked in the house. I thought that was way too personal. I wrote that. about your grandma? Yeah. I, I thought I wrote that just cause I was missing my grandma. It was a way to be with my grandma to write that. I turned it in because I turned everything in. I did not expect one person to say, oh, you should record this. And everyone did. Wow. Yeah. And now that I'm out playing it and the record's out, it's one. I don't think I could get away with not playing it live. I love um, My grandma adopted me for a long time. So that song I was drawn to. And that's why I knew when you said the song. It was about mm-hmm. you. But I mean, that is one too that I, that I heard and was like, well, this is so easily such a great song. It's just funny to think how we all feel about things that we make in the moment we make them mm-hmm. and how that can change. Because again, if you're writing, because you're feeling a certain way, but going, I don't think really this, is, I hear it and go, how could this not be a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I was I, just being too close to it, but it's also a good reminder of, you know, write what you love and what you know and other people will love it and know it like you've you know you 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 hear you hear your grandma in it there are people that have that have their grandma was nothing like my grandma like they'll say my grandma didn't smoke but man that part about cutting the mold off cantaloupe and cheese that was my grandma so it's just a, it's a that song is a great reminder to me to write what matters so to me. why how would you be inspired by forrest gump so on a writing retreat, Jimmy Robbins, Jesse Joe Dillon, and we were watching Forrest Gump the first night when when we were there. We had written something else that day, and there's that scene where Jenny's throwing rocks at the house she grew up in, and Forrest says, you know, sometimes there just ain't enough rocks. And um, Jesse Joe actually said, I've always wanted to write that. That makes so, sense now. Yeah. The title. Uh-huh. But you were literally watching Forrest Gump. Yes. Whenever it came up. That's, do you ever go, maybe we don't tell anybody we wrote this about Forrest Gump or are you just like, we got to let everybody know. Cause I love that it's Forrest Gump. Yeah. I mean, you know, I probably tell too much. Um, it, it'd probably be a better story if I, if I made something else up, but that's <laughs> just the truth about that one. Your mom, you mentioned her earlier to play with your mom mm-hmm. and to be in a band with your mom. Yeah. What was that like for you? It was great. And even greater looking back on it, because once again, as a kid, it was just like, I kind of thought that's what everybody did. But I realized just how special that is. And my mom is so responsible for so much of the music I love. And for, you know, my parents, they really, they sacrificed for us. Like we lived in a single wide trailer that they, that they remodeled into more of the size of a double wide when we got older. But I think about all the things we got inside of that trailer. Like we got to do music lessons. We got to play whatever sports we wanted and they didn't drive 
you know, I'm sure they w- wish they would, or at the time, maybe they wanted to drive a different car, but it was more important for us to, me to play guitar and my brother to play violin if that's what we wanted. So we were really lucky. And they, they took us, even though we grew up in a really small area, they took us to a lot of, um, things like in Seattle and Tacoma. I remember, you know, going to the Puyallup Fair and seeing Ronnie Millsap. That was the first concert I saw. They took us to the Perfect Ten Tour, which was when Mary Lou Retton and all the the gymnasts from the 1984 Olympic team were in, I think they were in Seattle. We got to do things like that. They'd take us to folk life festivals and we'd see all this music and all these different instruments. And, you know, just, they really, they were, they were great parents in, in a lot of ways. And and one of the bigger ways was just culturally, they exposed us to a lot. When you moved to Nashville, because you went to Belmont. Yes. Well, did, did you move from Washington State to Belmont? I did. That's a, that's a significant move. Yeah. And so was it, I'm going to do music, I need to go to where the music is, and this is the school? Mm-hmm. So, well, funny story. Yes, I wanted to do music, and it was also really important to me to finish college for some reason. You know, when I was paying off my student loans into my 30s, I was like, why did I do this? But um, I had seen on Crook and Chase that Trisha Yearwood went to Belmont. And so that made me want to go to Belmont. Um, and I'm, I'm still glad I went. Um, but it was when I moved here, I felt like I had moved to a foreign country. It was so different. Even in what ways what stuck out to you most? Because I, I know the area where you're from, yeah. I, I tour a lot. So I feel like that's not the same, but if there were a group of people that were similar, but not the same, it would be people from the Northwest, mm-hmm. you know, we're on the air, like rural Portland, rural yes. Seattle, like they're, they're just real honest people, real mm-hmm. comma, honest people i feel most yes oh like people here i think just geographically like one of my favorite things when i moved here and i used to do this and i don't know why i thought this was fun was how fast you could get to other states i would get in my car and just drive to alabama or just drive to kentucky like because where i was from in washington it took you a day to get across the state so that was different like you could be so many places so quick i'm like that with europe Yes. Like you can go to a country. Yes. Same thing. I'm like Ireland's the size of Iowa. Yes. I can just be over and I know. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is crazy. So that was very different. Um, the fact that they were interstates and not freeways that felt just now when I go home and I say interstate, people look at me like I'm crazy and I'm like, well, it's I five, you know, that's what it means. Interstate five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then religion, you know, where I'm from, it's not that people aren't religious, but it's not as, it's not so much in the culture. You know, there, when I got here, I felt like there was a church on every corner and then going to Belmont. Um, I don't know if it still is, but at the time it was a Baptist university. And so that was a different, a different thing to me to take Bible classes. And, um, so those were the, the major differences. Um, and then the weather, you know, humidity. I didn't know what humidity was when I moved here. Boy, welcome. Yeah. It freaking sucks. I actually, you know what's so funny though? I was telling somebody the other day that was talking about how much they hate humidity. I said, I don't. And I, and I was like, and you know why? Because when I moved here, my grandma said to me, you're going to love it there, but you're going to hate the humidity. And I just decided I'm not going to hate it. And so my mom and I landed and it was super humid. We got here in August and I said, I just love this humidity. That's you know how it works. <laughs> yeah. I just love mayonnaise. Yeah. Never worked for me. I hate mayonnaise. Well, no, I, can't. I don't like I mayonnaise okay, either. Well, we have maybe that in common. Maybe you said that, yeah. you know. So with this record, and just to go back to it here, 
again, I've heard so many songs that you have written and that you have sang and that you have written and other people have sang. On this record specifically that you're singing, which of these songs did you finish and go, oh man, I got like the tingles. That's it. That felt like what's the most. When you De- dear insecurity. It? Yeah. For sure. Um, well, and up above the clouds, those two, I knew the day that those were written. You know, and Dear Insecurity, we made some changes on that in the studio to make it even more my insecurities um, than it already was. But both of those I knew like, oh, this is this is something like and this is something I want for me. I knew that right away. What are you doing for fun? It just it's it's a lot. You have a lot going on professionally. And this is what yeah. people ask me. They're like, you look like you're driving yourself. What are you, what are you doing at all to, I like to hang that. out? You know, I mean. Well, and I'll get, I want to say something about you really quick. Cause I always say this to other people. Okay. You are so good. And it's because you share your vulnerabilities. You know, like people would talk about Barbara Walters. They'd be like, man, everybody cries in Barbara Walters. I think you're as good as Barbara Walters in your own way. And it's because you talk about yourself. Like when you, you know, like you're talking about, Oh, I'm a workaholic. You didn't say that, but it's your gift as an interviewer. I just wanted to say that. Well, you can leave you. that or I, my, cut that my out. My gift but... is not accepting compliments. I just feel <laughs> awkward. But I thank you. That's very yes. kind of you. From you, that means a whole lot. So thank you. It's true. I was telling everybody that I listen to you this podcast. And and if I really like somebody, I like them more. And if I kind of don't like somebody and I listen to your podcast and I still don't like them, I know. Okay, my my instincts right because <laughs> the real person's going to come You're out. You're right. It you know? is it is an hour, it is intense, it is and intensity maybe isn't the word um but it is um it's very intimate. Mm-hmm. Cuz here we are, you and me. And luckily yeah. I know you. Yeah. But it's just me and you. We only have each other to depend on. Mhm. If one of us stops talking or if I ask a stupid question, uh-huh. I need you to bail me out and give me an answer that makes me look halfway decent. Uh-huh. Or if you, I mean, it is a very, it's a relationship. Yes. And so, yeah, it is a, anybody that I've ever interviewed for a long period of time, their real self ha- comes out eventually. Yeah, you get to it. I think, and I think it's because you're real self. You're not afraid to talk about your frailties, which is, that's the, that gets other people talking about theirs. I really noticed it. A, a friend of mine and one of my favorite people, Sunny Sweeney, when I heard her podcast with you, I, I called her and, or I texted her and just was like, oh my God, this was so great. She was and, great. She was so great. Oh, she's awesome. So for fun, and you were asking me that and I got off track. I love sports still, you know, I mean, I'm so excited. Football's starting college football will be, I know you're a big Razorback fan. Do you have a team? UT. What, Tennessee. I chose that when I moved here and here was why I moved here. And I, one of the places I would go was North Carolina, which was, which was further, but I had friends there still there. And when I would drive, I had never seen call. I mean, I always loved college football, but not, it's not like, it is here anywhere else. And so I'd be driving from here, from here over to North Carolina, the whole way to Knoxville, I would see these orange and white pom-poms out of cars. And I just thought, you know what? I want them to be my team. I'm, I'm a Tennessean now. And that's, that's, that's it for me. Now I still root for the Washington Huskies. You know, it'd be tough for me if the Huskies were playing UT. Um, but I like I I love college football. I love college basketball. Yeah, me too. Um, I love track. I was terrible in track and field myself. You love, love track. It. You like to watch track? Oh, if there's a track meet on, I'm watching it. Where, where's the track meet on? There are some of those like 
higher sports channels, you know, like <laughs> like the, Bally's twelve nineteen. Yes, yes, like wow. Every so once in a while, I bet you love the Olympics. Then love the Olympics. In fact, when they when they started alternating it, where the you get the Olympics every two years instead of just every four, that was a red letter day in my life because I used to wait all those four years for the Olympics, and now you only have to wait two. It's great. And where you come from, I guess you guys had winter too. Yes. Not a not a harsh winter. Enough winter though to understand some of the winter sports? Oh yes. Because we don't. I mean, I'm from right. Arkansas. I don't know anything about skiing. Or- yes. No, and I and I didn't know them, but like my dad knew people who were Olympic skiers. Um so that and and other people, you know, oh, I went to school with so and so who who was an Olympic skier or um ice skaters, Tanya Harding, that was a big Thing my senior year in high school was the whole Tanya Harding, yeah, Nancy Kerrigan the, thing. And the that Jeff was Galuli yes. whacking the knee of Kerrigan. Yeah, because Tanya Harding would um, train at, I think it was the Clackamas Town Center, which was in Oregon, which where I grew up, going to Portland was as close to as going to Seattle. And I remember I wanted to go watch her practice and I, we didn't do that, but but that was that was big news around where I was from. Heck yeah, that's yeah. like a hometown story that goes national. Yes, yeah. That's the fact that I still remember Jeff Galuli's name. Yes, yes. That's wild. Did you ever see I Tanya? I did. What'd you think about it? Loved it. Me too. I thought she did such a good job she as Tanya did. Harding. And then uh, the woman who played her mom. Uh, Ju- um, she was also on that show, Mike, with. Moms? Yes, moms with the yeah. Allison Janney. That's yes, it. Allison Janney. Oh, she was She's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just great. Did you see Barbie? I did. Did you like it? I liked it. I didn't love it as much as everyone else. Maybe that was the problem. You yeah. heard too many people say they loved it. Might have been. I mean, or maybe I saw it on the wrong day. I don't know. I was so hyped up for it. You know the movie that like I wasn't hyped up for that's been my favorite movie in several years was Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen it. Oh, everybody's told me it's so good. There's no way it can meet the expectation. So I've purposefully not watched it because there's no way it can be as good as everybody says. It's pretty great. And and I even said to a friend of mine um, that was talking about Barbie, I said, I really liked it. I said, I think I thought it was going to be how I felt about Top Gun. Um, and it wasn't. I mean, it was it was it's great, though. I think it's a real mother daughter thing everybody i know who really or like shane he took his daughter and he loved it i think there's something about having a daughter and and taking your daughter to that movie dang i loved it i was like, emotional watching oh that. you were okay yeah. <laughs> well th- you'll just be a good dad when you have a daughter. i guess <laughs> my i mean my wife tells me i'm about i'm the most feminist dude that <laughs> she knows as like a compliment sometimes a little too much and I was just like, oh, yeah, man, we women, we're, we're not even understood. Yeah. It's unfit. And she's like, okay, relax. Yeah. Right, but I, I, yeah, I really, I really like Barbie. Mike, like you like Barbie, huh? I love it. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. See, I love that. I couldn't get enough of I it. I mean, I liked it. I just yeah. wasn't, you know, I know people who cried and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have that experience. Um, but that's why I don't watch Top Gun because I don't think it can ever meet what everybody says it is. And not in a bad way. I'm sure it's awesome. See, and when I when I saw Top Gun, I just watched it on a plane because I thought, well, there's nothing else. And then I'm so I'm bawling. You know, I'm like, because I loved the original, but I, you know, it just hit all the feels for me. But it's because I didn't have any expectation. That's usually the best mm-hmm. when you have no expectation. Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. 
And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So, stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. Do you watch TV at all? Do you watch any shows? Like I strange? do. Have you seen Hijack on Apple Plus yet? No. With uh, Idris Elba. Oh, I love him. Me too. And okay. it's like a plane that gets hijacked and he's the, and when, when he gives some sort of credibility to anything. Mm-hmm. Like if he's in it, you're yes. like, all right. Just that from, voice. J- yeah. Just the <laughs> fact that he l- lends any of himself to yes. it. Um, it was, we finished that. We binged that. It was really, really good. A little cheesy at very first, but then uh-huh. they got off the cheese and it was super good. We're looking for a show now. That's why I asked you this and we'll kind of end with this. Give me something that you've, you've seen that you were just so motivated to get back to. Okay. Well, there's something I started last night that I thought was great, which is Painkiller on Netflix. Okay. Is that about the it's about opioids? The, yes. Is it, we thought about it. We were looking at things to watch. I was super tired, so I couldn't watch more than one episode, but I loved it. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. We that, started watching Robin Big last night because we were just like, well, we're not going to get anything uh, super <laughs> deep. So we started watching old Robin Big for like 15 minutes. Okay. I love yeah. Winning Time. Oh, it's awesome and it's back. Yes, that's a it's show. It's the best. And I love that, you know what? I love that you can't stream it. I love that you have to wait for it because I look forward to it on Sunday nights. I was, Magic Johnson's my favorite basketball player of all time. So, in fact, I'll get into discussions with my godson and he'll say, Grandy thinks, he calls me Grandy. Grandy thinks Magic Johnson's the greatest basketball player of all time. I said, no, he's my favorite. I didn't say he was the greatest. I think Michael Jordan's the greatest, but Magic is my favorite. Um, but, oh, I love. Why Magic? You know, I think it was his charisma. I just, I just, he's one of those, I don't really, I rarely get starstruck. If I met him, I would cry. 
You never met him? Never met him. I'm sure I would cry. I remember I cried when I found out he had HIV. I was at a junior high football game, and this kid that was in my class told me. And I just, I've loved him. Once again, I think it was the charisma. Were you a point guard? No, as a shooting guard. Um, but I went to a tiny school. You know, any other school, I would have had to have been a point guard, and I wouldn't have been quick enough. So, well, I been. wondered if that was why the magic. If you love magic, he was also a guard. Mm-hmm. You know, or if it just was the charisma. I think it was his charisma, and just yeah. I mean, well, he was such a great player too, but just just everything about him. Well, we've done an hour. I don't want to keep you, but I want everybody. We talked about it before you got here. Listen, I, don't be confused. It's not her first album ever. <laughs> Just because it's called Brandy Clark, it is not her intro to the world. It's really good. I Thank knew you. I was going to love it. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't Top Gun it and know I was going to love it. So then I didn't <laughs> listen to it because it. then I, but it's just, it's, it's so good. But Thank I think, you, Bobby. I think everything you do is so good, but I'm just a massive fan. And sometimes this is not you, but sometimes I've had favorite artists and I've appreciated maybe different directions they've taken, but it, it didn't always, I always love it with like my sonic sensibilities. We'll call it mm-hmm. that. And I worry about that at times whenever I get so hyped that one of my favorite people are going to release something. And then when it is what I like, I'm like, Oh, thank God. And this was, I, I was oh, like, Oh, thank God. When I heard thank, it, that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if it had been totally different, I'd been like, I respect it. You're trying, yeah. but I just, I just loved it. I did. I just loved it. And it made me think of my grandma. Like I said, there were just time. It just felt even more personal. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that was the, if you felt like that was the case too. Yeah. That's probably part of why it was hard, why it was challenging. At times, you know, and to be challenged by someone in Brandy Carlisle who won't take anything less than real personal, yeah. you know, I'm never letting her produce my album. <laughs> never, never doing an album. I'm never letting her produce it either. Um, great to see you. You too. Everybody, please stream love. Um, they, I mean, it's great. It's been out. Wait, May, June, July, three. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Dang, it's already been out three months. Three months. Yeah. And shocked. Mm-hmm. Now I have to go see it. Yeah, you, I think you'll like that's Shucked. That's super cool. And yeah. then, are you like making a bunch of money off Shucked? Well, not yet, but I think we will Is be. it like a, a song? I guess my question is not how much money. Is it like a song when it goes top five, number one, it takes a while for the residuals to come in, but you know it's coming? Yeah, we know it's coming. And when it really starts to when it really starts to pay off is when it tours and we they've booked a national tour. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's so, so cool. you know, it'll and that's one of those that that'll be an evergreen sort of thing you know and and it's you'll you'll see it you'll notice it when you see it it's for broadway it's a very inexpensive show there's nothing automated and so every community college high school in america will be able to do it now they'll have to clean up some of the humor but but i know that they'll, they'll last question i want to keep I, I could do this for four hours Brandy. Okay. last question is there anything in shucked that in 10 years ago oh that might get me canceled but right now it's funny no at, at times there was there were I mean we really got lucky that it came out when it did and not sooner because there were times where some of the humor was sexist um, there was never anything racist in it but definitely there was some sexist humor for a while um, and well maybe there were. F- Nothing racist, maybe things that could have come across. And this is going to sound crazy because it was written by three gay people. There was a, there were a few little homophobic things that that were that are gone that were inside jokes um, that that were funny to us, but I think maybe would have gotten us canceled. Okay, final last question. I've got a lot yeah. of last questions. Final last question. If let's say the the actor who is 
playing the main character Macy's mm-hmm. name was. Yeah. Let's say she's like, oh, I can't. My throat hurts. Because I always thought if I'm on an airplane and they're like, uh-huh. I need, we need somebody to land us. Okay, I'll go do it. I don't know how to do it, but I can figure it out. But you know these songs. Could you go and play her role with I, 15 minutes notice? I did it. So Wait, this what? is a great question. Yes. So we were in New York City and it was after the show had opened, but before the Tonys. And so, you know, that's when all the Tony voters are coming. To, they can't come before it officially opens. And so um, our it was when all the smoke was happening in New York from, from Canada. And I just happened to be in New York doing radio at Warner records. And our producer called me three times. I was in doing, doing some things and I thought, well, that's strange. I better take this call. So I stepped out and it's five o'clock and he said, Hey, where are you? (laughs) And I said, well, I'm at Warner records. And he said, well, all the Maisies have called out. Do you think that if you could do a concertized, concertized version of it? Because Robert, the book writer, was there. He said, Robert will read all the dialogue. You sing the songs. And I said, sure, I can do it. And so 5 o'clock, the, the curtain's at 7.30. Leave Warner. Go, go down to the theater. Run through it with the music director. He changed the keys he could, but he couldn't change all the keys. And... So they sat Robert and I down on barrels and then the whole cast was around us on barrels, but they got up and did their scenes. And so we did it. And I'll tell you what, it gave me mad respect for anyone who does it because it looks way easier than it is. And I've even said as we've, cause we've had to recast that role just because the, our lead had to leave the show and different, different names would come up of, oh, we could get this person to play it, like popular music people. And I would say, yeah, I don't think so. And, and everybody would look at me and say, well, yeah, they can sing that. I'm like, no, they can't. I've done it. If I can barely do it, this person you're talking about can't, you know, now there are some singers who, who definitely could do that and more, but it's, it's a tough role. What a great question about me. I'm glad I asked that. And then we're going to yes. end it now. She said, great question. That we can't, I'm going to Seinfeld this thing and end at the top. Um, you're the best. Oh, you are. Yeah, you're the best. I'm you guys, as, as much of a fan of, of, you, of me. No way possible. I'm, I'm obsessed. So no way possible. <laughs> yeah. um, at the Brandy Clark. And you guys go check out the album if you haven't already. Thank you, Brandy. Thanks for listening to a BobbyCast production. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 